The Navis and Frank present a comic book podcast. I'm dreaming of a pillow that I want to eat. Is this your song? Did you just start the song? Oh, I did. I jumped ahead. Oh, my goodness. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Novice and Frank. I was so excited about this song that I jumped ahead into our usual opening. Hey, everybody. Amazing. Hi, everybody. This is The Novice and Frank podcast, starting a little untraditionally, but we're going to go ahead and roll with it because I loved it. Uh, I'm Amanda. I'm the novice. I'm Frank. I'm uh, the guy who wants to sing super badly. Really badly. So uh, we will be discussing Sandman today, the Sandman by Neil Gaiman. But before that, because Frank is so excited... Uh, I want to have no more hesitation. We're going to jump right into our uh, improvised theme song. I can't do the same thing. I gotta, I gotta, <laughs> it's got to be improvised. So uh, I wake up and I realize I haven't studied for the test. Do, 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 do. I How run am I going to school? be one of the very best? I walk into the classroom and I'm not wearing clothes like all the rest. Do, 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 do. So I'll reach for a textbook and make it into a vest. Oh, It's a novice. Novice, 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 and Frank. Frank, Frank, Frank. What? Beautiful. My gosh. Why? That was gold. What even happened? Is it? Do you bring these elements of Sandman in? Is that why you were like, I, I was dreaming and being naked. I was getting really just like into the material, man. Really organic. Yeah, just really like it inspired me. You know, look at that. You know, I, I, I realized why I haven't done that in any of the other songs we've done. I never really used it as like, oh yeah, we should just use that as kind of fuel. That's your suggestion. Just those dreams, man. It's just dreams. I hope somewhere out there, this is the episode that people choose to listen to. And sure. first. Oh, God. First. And they're like, well, I don't know what this is. Uh, anybody that might be listening to this for the first time, we basically uh, discuss comic books and uh, media and, yeah, from different points of view. Yeah. Frank has grown up with comic books. I have not. I got into them as a grown-up, as an adult. So we got two separate points of view. And sometimes we sing. That's just, and sometimes we sing. What a great, sing. Oh, that right there should be the log line for the show. We have two, two different points of view, and sometimes we sing. Occasionally. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Frank, how was your week? Uh, it was uh, comic-filled. Comic I mean, yeah. uh, just you know, reading stuff. Uh, I did not have quite the adventure. I mean, we're going to get off for a moment to allow Amanda to mm-hmm. just brag about her awesome Batman day, because it was on Saturday. It was on Saturday. Happy Batman Day, everybody, belatedly. That's right. I hope you dressed up and had a cake. Uh, a cake or a cape? Uh, maybe a cape while you ate your cake. I had, I definitely wore a cape on Batman Day. I had a Batman t-shirt with utility belt and I wore a cape. Love it. Yes. Now, uh, if you're going to go to anything on Batman Day, you want to go somewhere where perhaps maybe somebody that's affiliated with Batman is at. Ideally, in a perfect world. If you're doing the day properly. That's right. Then that's what you do. And I did. That's, that's what I did. This is my very first time celebrating Batman Day. So my first annual Batman Day. And I, uh, I met Jim Lee. Oh, nothing. Just oh, nothing. Jim Lee. Just an NBD. Hi, Jim. I know you're listening to this because we discussed my podcast. Now, paint a picture for He's over at Romans in Pasadena. Yeah, Is Romans in Pasadena. Never been there. Nice store. Yeah, you know, it's really cool. It's been around forever. It's been around for a long time. I think they're like the oldest, at least in California. They, I don't think nationwide, but at least I can't imagine they're like older than a bookstore in Boston. <laughs> but they've been, uh, I think, the oldest non-chain bookstore in California. Does it look old? 
not really. It's just really roomy. Like there's, oh, it's you know, and they have more than one store. So it got off with a little bit of a hitch because uh, we went to the wrong Brahmins. Mm. It was very sad. And I was like, there's no line at the door. This can't be the right place. And uh, um, we walked in and we were all jazzed. And she's like, oh, that's our downtown location. I'm like, dang it, ways taking me to the wrong. I, did, I chose not to blame myself. I chose to blame the robots instead. And you should. And you yeah. should. So, of is- course, we roll up to the actual location line out the door they limited it to 150 people it was only supposed to be an hour and a half but he was chatting with everybody and i think at the beginning of the day beginning of the hour he was like drawing and stuff for people but very quickly i think realized this isn't gonna um but it's so he stayed he stayed till everybody got taken care of which was really nice by the time you got there how far back in the line were you we were in I mean I could see I could see the back of the line from where we were. We were probably 15 people from the back of the line. Ooh. Yeah, we were pretty far back there. At any point did you question is it worth waiting in this line? No, I didn't because part of the so you could bring you could have him sign up to 3 items. Um and one of the items he either like basically your ticket to the event was a purchase of either um, Batman Europa or Harley Quinn's Greatest Hits hmm. book. Okay. So I sprung for Batman because it was Batman Day. Makes sense. And um, and so I bought that book and then I had my other things for him to sign. <clears throat> Pardon me. And then I read the book in line. So it was, I, was like, I was like, well, this is convenient. I wasn't going to. And after being in line for about 45 minutes, I was like, well, I'm just going to bust into this book. So I finished the book by the time I got up there and I was I liked it. And did you give him a real critical dissertation about the book? Yes. Like yeah. The, uh, the the Roman security came and escorted me out. <laughs> uh, but it took nine of them because they're all very petite and brainy. So. So how long did you have a chance to conversate with Mr. Jim Lee? Uh. Well, let's see. I didn't want to keep it. I'm always, I'm always like really self conscious about that because I'm like, I don't people want to get up there and they like want to shoot the shit. But he was really, really nice. Um, I, you know, I, I got up there and um, he had like posted. They're like, well, you want to person, want him to personalize anything? And I was like, well, yeah, if he can write like. And I was gonna have him write my name on everything, and then I was like, I should get something for Frank. Oh my goodness! Because... Somebody's winning best podcast partner in the oh, world. Oh boy. Uh, and so I had them put your name on a, like a post-it in my book on two posts, and I said, which book you got? God. You got Batman Europa, by the I way, because I figured you probably didn't have that one yet. I don't. You spoil me, Amanda Barnes. Mm. So I had the post-its put on there, and so we go up, and I'm just like not good at – as much as I like talking with people, I'm always afraid that I'm like inconveniencing somebody to do that. And um, so – He's like, oh, okay, for Frank, and I said, yeah, if you know, if you want to, maybe Frank, and if you want to see him, that'd be a good host. And he's and he stopped me. Oh, I walked up first of all, and I was like, how are you doing? He's like, I'm good. He's like, I'm good. You know, thanks for asking. I was like, you tired yet? He's like, no. Do I look tired? I'm like, no. I just, oh, what have I done? <laughs> what have I done, Jim Lee? You're beautiful. Uh, and I was like, no. I said, I just, you know, I said, figured slowly. He's like, no. He's like, we're. He's like, no. He's like, what's well, okay? He's like, we're getting, you know, we're getting through it or whatever. And so. You look a little sick, Jim. <laughs> yeah. Jim, what's are they feeding you? You're so thin. Um, no, he was super, super cool and really nice. And uh, so he was personalizing your book, and he said he's like a host. And I said, yeah, I see. You know, we we do a, we host a podcast together. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. So he started writing uh, to my favorite host, and I saw him write that, and I was like, wait, other than me, right? And he's like, what? I was like, we host the podcast together. 
So he immediately wrote co-ho co in front of it, and then he added to my favorite. He's like to my favorite co-host who is not standing in front of me. Oh. And I was like, pretty slick, pretty slick, Jim Lee. And then on mine, look, look, as I took a picture of it. I thought it was pretty funny. And uh, on mine, he wrote, I had him sign Batman Hush. Nice. And he wrote for Amanda, better than Frank as a host, to be honest. Man, brutal. And he builds you up and then he knocks you down, Frank. That's right. And he left his phone number there too. He did. So, yeah. So we're grabbing brunch tomorrow. <laughs> It'll be great. Thanks, Jim. Uh, yeah. So it was really cool. He's was, was really, really nice. Great person to meet. His art's amazing. And one thing, I'm interested to see what you think of Batman Europa, mm. um, because it's done by I believe four different artists. Oh, okay. I think it's like one per each chapter, per each section. And it's cool because his, I think that his is first, right? Because he's got such a traditional classic. I don't want to say traditional. He's defined, his style is so defined and it's defined so much. You know what I mean? So, so many of the superhero figures from a certain time period. And so I think he starts, so he's kind of like the baseline. And um, throughout the book, Batman is getting ill and he's kind of like losing his mind and hallucinating so the art becomes more and more abstract and you know smudgy because you're bringing in different artists to do it you know oh, so nice. there it was a really cool way of incorporating different styles and it was like a cool choice other books that i've seen where they use different artists it's almost like well we wanted to divvy up the workload a little bit <laughs> you know it didn't feel so much like it was an artistic choice to choose different artists to sort of you know, enhance the mood and everything of, of the book, and this did. So it was cool. I liked it. It's just a way for him to cover up his laziness and not doing the other three issues. No, I don't think that's no? it. No, you, you don't can't. Know. Don't you, don't you dare. Don't I'm you sorry, dare call your, Jim Lee lazy in front of me, Frank. That's your close friend. So I know, I mean, I don't even know, I don't even need to ask this question. I feel like I can tell all the fans with confidence that Jim Lee will be sitting here next week. Because don't, I know Amanda don't. secured him for this podcast. Here's the thing, guys, is is. As much as I wish that were true, I don't want to get angry. Well, I almost said angry letters. I don't know if anybody sends letters anymore at all. <laughs> angry emails and and uh, and posts and things like that. No, sadly, unless somebody out there knows Jim and wants to contact him directly and be like, hey, you know that girl who said you looked tired last week? If you want to come on her podcast, uh, that'd be great. She's maybe... got a lot of other, other flattering things to tell you That's well. right. That's right. She defended your honor in front of Frank, uh, who, as we all know now, is not your favorite No, I, that, that's been made abundantly clear. It's in writing. It is <laughs> in, in writing. writing. Yes. It's in gold Sharpie. So, um, yeah, if anybody has a hookup with uh, Jim. But that will give us something to aspire to. Maybe, that, yeah. maybe somewhere down the line we'll get Jim on the podcast. You know, it's a, we're going to be so popular that Jim will be asking us to come on our podcast. Begging. Begging. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, all right. Don't, it's going to make for an awkward brunch tomorrow <laughs> when, he hear, when he listens to this. Oh, boy. But I'm glad you had, you enjoyed your first Batman day. You'll never forget your very first. I did. I, I don't think that I will. I think it was really great. Did you, uh, how, did you, what did you wear in honor of Batman day? I, I um. So you have such ooh, a selection I, of shirts. I wore a Flash shirt. So you're welcome. No! Yep, I wore a Flash shirt. Oh, that's the worst. That's right. Mm. Yeah, there you go. Because I was thinking of Trevor. When I think of, you know, Batman, I think of Trevor. And then when I think of Trevor, I think of the Flash. So that's how I got there. Just, you know, Trevor, you're always close to my thoughts. <laughs> Trevor, a fabulous uh, audio engineer. Yeah, uh, and uh, we did. I did stop at a comic book shop there out in uh, Thousand Oaks. Okay, what'd you yeah, pick up? Uh, uh, I picked up uh, a, oh, a Darwin Cook, a Darwin Cook Batman action figure. 
Okay. Okay. So you did celebrate. It was. It was probably on sale, huh? Because it was a Batman day. Yeah, they, they give you a little twenty percent little discount Aww. on there. Yeah, you got to support the local shops. Yeah. Well, a Thousand know? Oaks isn't local. Yeah. None of those big box stuff. It was what? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Come on. It was a comic asylum. I think it was called. Cool. Yeah. It seemed like a nice story. But uh, I mean, my my least. And I feel terrible about saying this because we're talking about comics and stuff. But my least favorite version of a comic shop is the comic slash game shop. Because I'm not a huge board game person so it's okay. like eh, you know it's i always feel like i go in there and there's just a bunch of people sitting at card tables and they're playing these games and I'm just how like, dare they I, like, how dare all, they be yes. communal it's like that's, <laughs> a, that's space that you could have bookshelves filled with comics that i could possibly buy or at least look at okay that's fair i don't like i think my my pet peeve i don't know if we've discussed this or not i don't like i like collectibles but i don't want the store to be more collectibles than comic books unless it's mm. art Right. I'm good having like art up, you know, and then like uh, signed pieces and things like that. But I don't want like all. I feel like I've gone into a couple places. It's like all Funko dolls. Funko, Funko. Yeah, like have you been to the Perky Nerd over in Burbank? No, but I'm, I want to go. I'm supposed to. I'm well because it's also like a little coffee shop, right? Yes. Which seems kind of awesome. Yeah, it, it's the. But is it a little bit? Of, is a little bit of that? Yeah, it, they do have a lot because I think they want it to also be a communal experience in mm -hmm. there. So I saw the, like yeah. So if you've seen some of the posts and stuff like that, that are there, or Facebook or whatnot, so it's a lot of people like, like game nights, kind of mm -hmm. special events and stuff that they'll do in there. They have a group right now that's reading Bitch Planet, and I was all excited because I wanted to go like be a part of a group that's reading Bitch Planet. But they meet Wednesday nights at seven o'clock. Well, Frank. Well, that's what rude. are we doing on Wednesday nights at seven? Well, you know, not meeting those those people talking about Bitch Planet. I'll tell you that. And we're recording podcasts here no. at, at, in a different comic book shop. That's right. Right here, we're at, at the Nerdist School podcast booth. Mm -hmm. Yes, over here at Meltdown, right next to Meltdown Comics on Sunset Boulevard in Exotic California, <laughs> exotic Los, An Los, Los Angeles, Los California. Angeles. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, I feel like I agree with the same way. Now, in terms of back issues. When you go to a comic book shop, how important are like a big, wide selection of back issues? Or that doesn't matter so much to you. You know, I think it is important because I, more often than not, that's what I'm looking for. I'm, at this point, you know, I'm more likely to have gotten a referral from somebody. And so I go in looking for something that's not necessarily brand new. Or if I do, it drives me a little crazy. If, if a series is relatively new, you know, and they're only maybe like five issues in, I can buy issues like, five four and two that kind of stuff drives me crazy yeah i get like really I'm like i'd almost rather have nothing or i just or i'd you know i'd rather just have like issue one if if anything but i feel like it's it's difficult now to go in and find it even just like the first issue of a new series the first two issues and it's one and i understand being out sometimes but i feel like it's the same shops i go to constantly they're like oh yeah we don't have that we're out of that i'm like yeah but you you're out of it all the time so I guess I need to get I need to get put on a, a pull list probably for some things. But so if you're on the hunt for a series, somebody recommends something to you, mm -hmm. like oh that sounds intriguing, and you start going like a back, a back issue kind of like searching and stuff, and you do find, you know, issue one, three, four, seven mm -hmm. out of like ten issues so far. Mm -hmm. Would you just buy those four and then like I'll go to another shop and see if I can find <sighs> the other issues or? Would you just set those aside like, oh, if I can't buy all 10 at the same time. I'm not even going to buy any. I will probably buy the first one. If it's like the first, if they're in order, if I can buy like one, two, and three, or one and two, and they, it looks good, I like the artist, I like the writer, I'll buy those. But I'm probably not going to buy on the, on the off chance that I'll be able to score, depending on how old it is too, but like on the off chance I'll be able to get that issue three at another shop to like fill in that gap, I will probably... 
invest in one or one and two. And that way, if I like it, I'll get it digitally. Mm, that makes sense. You know, but um, I, there's something that, because what I end up with is forgetting exactly which issue I need. I forget. Like, I've done that now with um, with uh, um, Old Man Logan. Like, I'm missing one issue, but I can't remember which one it is. It's either five or six. Like, I don't remember. And I feel like that is a series where the covers just seem so They're similar. They're so similar. Oh, my gosh. That it makes it tough to, like, at least in your head to go, like, oh, yeah, I don't have that cover where he's, like, standing next to a sunset. Oh, it is, yeah. Kind of, it is, because, like, with Bitch Planet, like, I know. Which, you know what I mean? Which, like, looking at the covers, like, oh, I have that one already, you know? And, I mean, in that one, they're, now they're, like, about, you don't really have to go, what happened last time as much? Because, you know, like, if you flip it open at all, you're like, oh, I don't know who these characters are. Or I don't know, like, what this conversation is about. You kind of know where you are in the series, you know? But, yeah, the covers, covers all looking the same kind of drives me a little nuts. Well, especially when they use a very similar color palette. Exactly. Every time. Yeah, like, it's oh. very they're very stylistically similar. Um, but I think an example of you know like Fight Club Two, they had a similar palette and similar kind of you know painterly quality to them, but they were all different images. But then when you start adding in variant covers, also, then you're like, oh damn it! Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I have this or not. It's like, is this a is this a variant cover of one I already do have, or is it one that I don't have yet? I know, variant covers, if you, yeah, if you're just looking around and you come back to a comic shop like the following week, like, oh, another issue's out. Oh, no, it's just a variant cover mm-hmm. of this you already have. And yeah. for anybody who is more of a novice the way that uh, that I was until I finally, you know, nutted up and asked somebody what a variant cover is, uh, it is exactly that. It's a, it's a cover that is, sometimes it's like in a limited, made in like a limited quantity, right? Yes. So it's basically an alternative. So you could have, and you could even have a couple of variants for one cover. And collectors will be like, all right, well, this is my issue number one, and I have, like, all three variant covers. Yeah, and it's a way for comic book shops to kind of, in, you know, increase their sales because mm-hmm. they have to order a certain amount of a title to get those variant covers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, and certainly the, the ones that have the lower print runs, the more you have to order of that particular title. So they can usually then charge more money to sell that particular cover. So while you may pay, you know, 2 or three ninety nine for a standard cover, for the variant, it could be anywhere from five to twenty to thirty to forty dollars. You can yeah. charge for a variant, depending on how limited it is. Yeah, there's a little little knowledge. Yeah, which I I've, I've never. I think I got some variants when uh, Marvel uh, Secret Wars was going on last summer, and they mm-hmm. did these kind of like action figure type, uh, like in the box kind of mm-hmm. uh, covers, and I thought those were kind of fun. So I was grabbing a few of those, but then eventually I said like, ah, oh, just. They're charging so much for these things. Yeah, I think they're really if there's something if there's a series that you just love. You know, um, then I could see, you know, doing it or an artist that you wanted to get. Like, it did make me sad that I didn't have, you know, like a cool original something for Jim Lee to sign. You know, so like yeah. that kind of stuff can be cool if you're like, okay, I'm getting this to eventually get it signed by the artist. I think that's neat. Um, or if you're going to like frame it, if you're treating it like art, right? Like you're framing yeah. it, then it's a, a worthwhile thing. But I, yeah, I don't generally speaking feel the need to like go out and buy all the different covers. The last one I really made sure I got all the variant issues for was uh, the not this past summer, the summer, was it, maybe two summers before, uh, Marvel did a limited series called Original Sin. Mm. Jason Aaron wrote it, uh, and Art Adams did all the variant covers for it. 
And so I made sure I got those issues of it because it was just, I love Art Adams' style. Mm -hmm. And they all kind of made a big interlocking eight-issue image that you can put Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Ah, that's how they get you. Oh, yeah. So I was like, oh, no, I got to get all that. Yeah. Uh, but then I went to the comic book convention that summer, and he did a uh, special black and white, huge, like I'd say probably oof, you know, 36 by 42 image, mm. a black and white image of that whole, all the covers oh, put together. That's pretty neat. For ooh, $200. Yeah. And I bought it. I bought it. <laughs> You're like, that's how I know how much it costs because yeah. I've got that investment I bought on it. my wall. Let and the price know, tag no, on. It's, it's not even on my wall yet. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to put this on my wall because that's huge. And getting get it framed, framed is real expensive. And well, I'm made of money, man. So that's, that's true. That is true. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> that's not going to be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I'm also thinking like, uh, that's really cool to have. And then like, you know, it's just sitting rolled up somewhere and I have a bunch of posters like that too oh. it's depressing especially like the Mondo posters I, I bought way too many Mondo posters in my life and yeah. just I don't have the wall space mm. for them at all and yet I don't know why I, I keep buying more of them put them on your cool. ceiling like you're a 13 year old I've got vaulted ceilings so it could look kind of <laughs> cool yeah <laughs> yeah why not would you see uh, vaulted ceilings would that seem weird you'd have like frame if you get like really nice frames you weren't just like you know thumbtacking them to the ceiling you got really <laughs> nice frames and you kind of really mounted them onto your ceiling. Would that seem weird to you? I, I think if it were done well, it wouldn't seem weird. I would be a little freaked out that they would fall because we are, of course, recording in California where we do have earthquakes. That's right. Mm. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, I was thinking of some kind of weird earthquake, the ride with uh, that we've all, <laughs> Amanda and I are well familiar with over at Universal Studios Hollywood, uh, the entertainment capital of LA, folks. <laughs> Just <laughs> uh, uh, uh. stay in the business. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> like the ride. Uh, but for me, like at least for for a shop, I feel like if for uh, I want a nice selection of back issues, but I want a selection of of back issues that are more than maybe twenty years old. I want like really old issues to go through. Anything if I can find issues from anywhere from the seventies, eighties, and the nineties, mm -hmm. then that's that's awesome. Because I okay. feel like that's a really cool stuff to go and look around. If it's anything like. Most comic shops now, for the most part, if they do have a back issue selection, it's mostly from like the past, you know, five years. That kind of fills it up. I'm like, mm. see, and I like back issues even older. I love. I just bought a couple of. I work at uh, Warner Brothers Animation, so I just I bought uh, a couple of um, really old issues of like Bugs Bunny comics. Oh, like nice. Like ones from I think like '56, and the other ones from, you know, '61 or something. So for me, I love the old, like the older you know, 50s and 60s books, especially superheroes. I think, like, the way they're shaped is so fun. Like, oh, the way yes. they look is so fun. Um, and so for me, that's really, if I'm looking for something, if I'm doing that, if I'm, like, I want something really old, I want, like, this old, just because the dialogue cracks me up. The way that the designs are fun, the colors are fun, um, whereas, like, stuff from the, like, 80s hurts my eyes a little bit. <laughs> um, but because it's so bright, it's, like, really, really bright. But uh, But I love the really old old stuff and I like the way they smell oh that's a really nice smell mm -hmm. I mean it just you can't replicate that at all yeah. and while maybe artistically the uh, the drawing or the execution of the covers now mm -hmm. maybe like ooh, that's just really just nicely done there's just something about just the the funness the fun funness the fun uh, of those early like 50s and mm -hmm. 60s covers with the word balloons or just right that, like in earnest yes yeah. oh that they you just don't have nowadays yeah, it's like will he beat the giant octopus you're like I don't know oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I assume so but oh. I, I have to see it. Yeah, yeah, so it's like, oh, you know, a Superman, you've become a hobo. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. 
Oh, man. One more note on covers while we're here. Uh, again, anybody that's kind of starting out, uh, they say, like, don't judge a book by its cover. But literally, uh, with comic books, generally speaking, don't judge them by their covers. Because I was very disappointed when I first started out. I would buy an issue that you couldn't open, which kind of drives me, always drives me crazy also. If they have them, like, in plastic, you oh, can't open yes. and flip through them. And I understand why, but I'm still like, brr. If you do, don't necessarily pick it on its cover because it could be that a different artist did the cover, and that's I'm finding more and more frequent. Then they have like a featured artist of the cover, and then that doesn't at all match the art or the tone of the art of the um, the story itself. Which I, was like I was I ended up having a couple of very disappointing, very sad early reads. Yeah, I was like, oh, this cover is so cool, and the story sounds good, and I open it and be like, what the hell? And it took me a while to be like, well, why? They just spend more time on the cover or what? It's like, no, it's a completely different artist, idiot. But, like, you don't know that necessarily if you're just starting out. You don't know that. No, because you would think what you're seeing there is like, all right, if this is the cover, then it should be in a complete representation of what I'm going to find inside. Yes. And I feel like there should be, that the bare minimum should be that, or it might not be the exact style that we see on the cover, but it should be as good. It could be a different style, but it should be as good as what you're seeing on the cover. Yeah, and when you don't get that, I feel like they have to put a disclaimer, like they would do, like on cigarettes or something. You know, the <laughs> art that you see inside is, you know, this is not representative of the art that you see inside. Buy yeah. at your own risk. Yeah, like because there's nothing more disappointing than feel like that that bait and switch. Yeah, and you do it. It kind of feels that way. So, yeah. And and so many. Uh, well, I don't feel like it's as much <coughs> nowadays, but there used to be that time where a lot of book comic book shops would be really adamant about like you know no reading at the store. No, you know you can't flip mm-hmm. through the store. And I feel like. You know, now with so many different covers that aren't representative of what's inside, art-wise, that I feel like you got to be able to flip through because I don't want to. I don't want to spend you know for three or four bucks on an issue that doesn't match what I'm thinking I'm going to get on the cover. Right. Well, especially yeah, now that the price has gone up. Uh, when did they start? I don't know if you if you know this or not, but when did they start having like essentially guest artists do the cover? Oof, it man. feels like that wasn't always the case. If you pick up a classic, like it looks like the cover. You, you know, I would think. Man, because there became there became artists that became known. Uh, they, they may have started out as interior artists, but then mm-hmm. they became really well known for doing covers. I mean, like I a think, cover girl. Yeah, like, like a, that's the thing. It's like you're not every girl that isn't this, in this discussion because a friend of mine was a playmate, right? She was a uh, she was a Playboy playmate, and she's one of those things. She's like all kind of like, well, just because you're in the magazine doesn't mean you're a playmate. It doesn't. No. Well, you have to be the centerfold to be considered a playmate? I think, I don't remember what the specifications, I don't remember what the specifications are, but it's the difference between being featured in in one of those magazines and, have, you know, like having your picture, like being like, a, you know, one of the like girls of the Big 12 or whatever, um, be, who we had like, that's what started the conversation. It was like, we had somebody at our school that was featured in one of those, um, like girls of the Big oh, 12. Yeah. And she was telling everybody she was a playmate. And my friend, who was an actual playmate, was like, "Well, she, you know, she looks great, but she's not. She, she shouldn't claim that she's a playmate because that's like not her. That's not the status. No, you have to sleep with a Hugh. You have to. Yeah, it's yeah. that's that's the prerequisite for being a playmate. Yeah, it's getting more and more difficult <laughs> these days. Uh, Get in. There's going to be very soon. There will never be a, an official playmate ever again. I know. <laughs> 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 but I mean, I think like artists like uh, like Neil Adams. Uh, thinking like back in the uh, '60s and '70s, he would do a lot of work for DC Comics where he would just do the covers but not any of the interiors. Mm. Uh, and so you'd see that in a lot of books. Like uh, He'd do like a lot of Batman covers or Superman covers, maybe Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that would be always like, oh my gosh, oh, cool, it looks so amazing. And then you flip in and you wouldn't get that that artist on there. You might get like Nick Cardi. You might get, 
you know, Kurt Swan, uh, some, I mean, it's like Jim Apparel, I feel like uh, he did some great stuff, a totally different style mm-hmm. than Neil Adams, but still, like back in the 70s, Jim Apparel, wow, still, he was a different flavor than Neil Adams, but still really enjoyable to read. Right, so, so you're I, not disappointed. No. Just different, yeah. But then there'd be other ones where you're like, mm, all right, that's not so great. So I feel like he was kind of like in the 60s and 70s, like Alec Ross, mm-hmm. uh, he's one that's now, I mean, he's, ever since like Marvel's, that, that first big series that he did with um, Kurt Busiek. Uh, after that came out, he started doing lots and lots of covers. And he does like covers for Marvel now for a couple different titles. So I feel like he's like another one that's just cover ti- a cover that's artist. That's a sweet gig. Or even Adam Hughes. He's a really popular cover artist, too. And he'll do stuff like Supergirl. He was doing it for Catwoman. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, uh, long runs of those characters, too. So he's really cool to look at just as a cover artist. Yeah. And I think some artists, are they're so, much, they're so slow. Mm-hmm. Like an Alec, Alex Ross. Uh, he... he Doing a monthly book, you wouldn't expect him to be able to do that. Not at the caliber that he does a his covers at. Mm-hmm. So maybe he'll just do like a lot of the pencils or finishes and let somebody else do like the uh, maybe pencil the painting it. And, and yeah, or yeah, he'll, inking. They might paint it. They might draw it and he might paint over it. Okay. But uh, because of that, since, since they're a little bit slower and they can't really meet the monthly grind, they'll just do covers because yeah. then they can still get something. It's easier to do one image than sure. 20 and really pages. put time into it. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's a great gig. Nice work if you can get it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, for you, because I know uh, as we're talking about uh, comics and stuff and mm-hmm. covers, I mean, DC Comics, they did their, the whole big rebirth. And one of the great things about that is they cut down the price to two ninety nine mm-hmm. for all their titles. There are, well, for the majority of their titles. There's some issues of some series that are putting out that are still like three ninety nine, mm-hmm. But for the most part, everything that's kind of under the rebirth umbrella is coming in at two ninety nine. Now, Marvel's doing a lot of their titles. They're still at three ninety nine. Mm-hmm. So for you, the fact that something like that DC is cut down to two ninety nine. Do you see that as an incentive to want to try more of their different titles at that price point, or does it matter? I, you know, I was thinking about this a lot because I had, was there was a coworker of mine that was saying like that they don't buy comics anymore because they're so expensive and the digital is not any cheaper. Like it feels like it should be because you're not paying for materials and all that kind of thing. Um, it doesn't factor in as it not enough to make it to make a decision for me. Um, because like I said, usually at this point I read things based on, uh, referral, you know, or if it's a writer that I really like. And so if it's very, if it's very expensive, like I'm, I'm more likely to be like, oh man, this volume is like $30 than I probably won't. You know what I mean? Depending on like how many issues are in it for a single issue though. It doesn't really, I don't think the dollar really makes or breaks it so much. Mostly because the, the the terrible thing about buying comic books, whether it's digital or in person, is that you load up and then you get to the register and you're like, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, but they're so small. <laughs> like, how are they? <laughs> how did this? How did this pile up so quickly? So, I mean, sometimes I'll like see the total and be like, I don't need these. <laughs> you can reshelf this, please. But um, as far as being a factor in like which ones I try out, probably not. But a sale does affect that. If I see that they're doing, um, you know, single issues of something for 99 cents a pop and it's something that looks interesting, the story looks interesting, I'm like, well, it's a buck. Like, I, you know, what's the worst? That I get, you know, I get 15, 15 minutes of reading out of it. You know what yeah. I mean? So, um, or more. So, yeah. I feel like How about you? the DC Rebirth, it's, I've been, I've been willing to give every title a shot mm-hmm. that comes out here, at least by the first issue. Yeah. And uh, see what that's about. Uh, at least the rebirth issues. Uh, I could see that, yeah. yeah. You feel like it's lower risk. But then, you know, it's like like Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like, oh, I can't. No. I can't I, after, what the, after what we read. They, uh, could make, they could make Harley Quinn 
a like a buck fifty an issue, and I'm sorry to say that I, I'm not going to probably invest anymore in no. it unless I hear that it's like gotten really amazing, you know. But I would feel like if it the, the same creators are behind it now for several years, mm-hmm. I feel like if it was re, I mean, and for some people it is really amazing. They yeah, do like absolutely. And so that's great for me. It just I don't I don't know. I don't know what I would need for me to want to say like, hey, yeah, now I'm on the Harley Quinn train. But so far, it, whatever that may be, it has not come to fruition. Yeah. But uh, like, I feel like Cyborg, I picked up the first issue is Rebirth issue. And I think his next, his first issue of his rebooted series is coming out today. So mm. I feel like I'll give that another try. But I feel like that's also going to be one that's kind of precarious on like, what I, will I continue? Mm-hmm. But I feel like DC made a really smart move doing it because they're basically for the mo- majority of those titles are twice a month at two ninety nine. Yeah, it's smart, and it, it really does. I think you know it does build up after a while because if you know you do ten issues, you saved twenty bucks more than you. Yeah, and you get them twice as frequently. I mean, you could mm-hmm. pay you know three ninety nine for a Marvel issue, but you're only getting it once a month. Twenty bucks or ten bucks, whatever, so, depending on how, like, how many you buy. Yeah, so I mean, I. I think DC is doing it smart by lowering the price by a dollar and then also doubling up how many times you can get it a month. Mm-hmm. So, I'll, you know, ultimately you're paying six bucks for you know two issues worth a month as opposed to three or four bucks for one issue. Yeah. So I feel like DC is coming ahead on that. Well, keeping in mind too that they, you know, which we've discussed a whole bunch already in this podcast. So I don't want to go into it too much, but it's so much of it now is franchising, right? It's like. Here's the Flash. You can also see him, you know, this night on this channel, and you know, and here's uh, Batman versus Superman. You can also see them. You know what I mean? Um, it's you're also thinking, kind of like, well, this is also free publicity. Like yeah. if they're buying this, you know, we'll knock a buck off. They're more likely to buy this action figure that goes along with it and buys, you know, a movie ticket to see this movie. And you know, I think that it's it kind of goes both ways, you know. Well, and I think so much of it, like the frequency, like if you knew every two weeks you're getting a title mm-hmm. of a series and you kind of like it, that that's really cool as yeah. opposed to having to wait once a month. Right. And then when you think of other countries, whether it be a European comics or uh, Japanese, the manga, where mm-hmm. it can come out like every single week, you're getting hundreds of pages. Like if you buy like Shonen Jump or something else, I mean, there's just weekly, you're getting so much material from these same stories. So mm-hmm. like, you know, for us to do, some we do an occasional weekly book, but more often than not, it's either monthly or Bi-weekly. Or just whenever they can get it out again. If it's a, if it's a newer Oof. series, you know what I mean? If it's something that's really great, that's the frustrating thing. It's like, ah, I want more people reading this so they can get them out on a regular basis. And I feel like that's such a hard thing, right? It's like there's nothing that will kill a series faster than like, well, it might be three months. It might be six. It might be one. We don't yeah. really know. And I feel like that's you know? been so frustrating with Marvel for the last several events that they've done. It's always kind of falling off the rails usually about midway through mm. their release run and then it becomes like one to two to three to four months behind mm. and i figure like i can understand the first time you know then you make some mistakes hopefully you try to correct those maybe the second time you have a couple hiccups but you think about like the third time you would kind of maybe start like all right we, i know we have to front load how much pre-production or how much front loading we have to do for the series to make sure we yeah. don't have these hiccups and yeah. yet i don't think they they learn or mm. I mean, there's clearly this stuff going on that we're not privy to, of course. Right. But it's like, man, it, when every single year your event series gets later and later, like, what is happening? Mm-hmm. I can understand, like, once a creator's sick or two times, like, somebody's uh, wife's pregnant or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it's like, man, like, every single year there's some kind of malady that strikes one of the creators. <laughs> yeah. I think that's hard to believe, too. So I don't know what the hiccup is in their production schedule. It might, I mean, it might also just be, 
and I don't, I don't know. I don't want to speak out of turn, but it could also be the fact that, like, I mean, if it comes out late, you're still going to buy it, right? You'll just be a little more frustrated. Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm not going to also not, like, I, I, if it's an eight-issue miniseries and uh, issue four, I'm going to stop. Because mm-hmm. it's like, well, no, I mean. I think that's it, right? I think it's like money talks. Yeah. So for them, they're kind of like, well, we'll still buy it anyway, even if it's late. We'll just get it out late and they'll have to deal with it, you know? I yeah, think if, if everybody was just like, fuck this, and just, like, stopped buying them late, then that would suck. But they they probably would be like, well, maybe we should get these out sooner <laughs> on yeah. a more regular schedule. And you can't I don't know. go by what they say on the, on the internet too because right. everybody will complain about it being late. Mm-hmm. But And this, that's it. I'm not buying this anymore. But no, you're still buying it. Yeah. You will complain <laughs> and say you're not going to buy it but you'll be there the, the Wednesday that it comes out Yeah, and you're going to pick it up. So, yeah. oof, I mean, I feel like that internet... It seems like it's always the vocal majority, mm-hmm. but yet it plays such a small part, and I'm sure what the actual sales are for any title are. Yeah. Ugh. Man, so much hot comic talk. Hot, hot, hot comic talk. Hot. That's right. So, well, so we, I know, no, now I feel, but we've, okay, so we've, we, we've got a little a little time left. Should we uh, discuss well, our uh, the reading that we assigned? I, I, I don't know if we really have much time, Amanda. <laughs> no. <laughs> we, we've talked all we of... promised the people Sandman. I know, look at that. And now we've talked so much about other things that I feel like we now <laughs> Down a little time. <laughs> we did the best. So we may have to uh, and tease them. Uh, it's one of those uh, where we got off the rails. And now it seems we, so cold. It seems so cold. Mm, like a dream. Like a dream. Well, like a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So look at that. that this, just consider this like a long preamble <laughs> to the actual episode <laughs> what a terribly formatted <laughs> podcast this was today but it was good and I, I think it was educational i hope that everybody found that interesting and educational well i figure like we all know that uh amanda barnes is best friend now is jim lee yeah so jim let me know what you thought of this podcast <laughs> if you found it educational if you learned a little something i don't know i don't know what we have to teach jim lee mm-hmm. well speaking of just a sidetrack for one second you're talking about jim lee mm-hmm. uh hush you got him to autograph that as well for i did you. had you read hush before I had started Hush before, but I'd never, I hadn't finished it. Have you so. read any more since you had it signed? <sighs> no, okay. because I read Sandman. <laughs> gotcha. No, I gotcha, gotcha. I'm just curious if you, you know, while you were in line, you had time to read uh, Hush as well. Only time for Europa. Uh, only time, only time for Europa. Um, yeah. yeah. And I was catching up on other things that I, I, I was like two issues behind in Lazarus, and I was like caught up on that. I bought the little companion book to Lazarus. That they do, it's very, it's like it's word dense, but uh, oh, um, it must hit everything that you would want because it's all that world building stuff, it's all right? That, yeah, it is, it is. So I like started that, but that's it's discussing basically the family Carlisle and it's like their history and like oh. what they're doing and. Basically, she just said, "This is for Amanda Barnes." That's the name yeah, of exactly. But I think they're going to be <laughs> releasing them for all the families, at least at least some of the, the bigger families that they've. I think there's a Hawk one coming out soon, but right now they've just got Carlisle, so I bought that. Man, look at that. And reading that. But that's like, I mean, that takes a lot longer to read. It's just so much text and information, so oh, that's why, that's what I've been busy reading. If ever I heard a title that was more tailor-made for Amanda Barnes, I'd be hard-pressed to think of one. Right there. That is that is right there. Everything that you want. <laughs> look at that. So now, uh, I guess in our last couple of minutes here, we could do a quick little catch. Also, Lazarus, you're, you know, we, we discussed it briefly for one episode on mm-hmm. our podcast. You're still continuing with it. Still I'm reading, still reading, yeah. I'm still buying the issues, but I'm still far a little bit behind. But right. are you, uh, how's it still? How's it going still? still it's great. It? It's good. I um, it's good. I feel like there was like a. I don't even want to call it a lull. It was just it kind of detoured slightly a little bit, um, and Forever was pretty much like out of commission, for you know for an issue or two, and she's back, and she's suspicious, 
and uh, a couple of different things have been revealed, which is cool. You learn like the what you thought were flashback scenes about forever aren't weren't that there was mm-hmm. something different. Um, and so yeah, I'm still I still think it's great. And it's what issue twenty? Oh my gosh! Uh, you, let me tell you exactly which issue it, they've had more than twenty, I believe. Hold on. It's gonna be exciting, everybody. This, story. <laughs> this is cool. This is cool. Uh, we'll vamp for a 20, second. Uh, 24. Oh, nice. 24. So now, being 24 issues in, reading all this, you see a bit of a lull, but not coming back with forever back in the picture. Mm-hmm. Do you see an endpoint in mind, or do you feel like Greg Rucka's got enough meat on the bones for this thing to keep going on? Maybe 50. Uh, maybe up to seventy issues. I'm shocked to say I think that it could keep going. I think it could. I think it could. Uh, it could sustain for longer. Do you want it to? Is it? I do. That you'd want? Yeah. I mean, I don't want it to. I don't want it to be over. You know, in the next. I don't even think like ten issues would would do it. I think it would need to go a little further. Fifty maybe. Fifty maybe. But um, you know, she's still there. She hasn't. She still hasn't learned too much about. I think that the series started with her being like, oh, shit, like, maybe I'm not who I think I am. And then she got sidetracked because she had to go to war, <laughs> you know? So she was, like, warring and didn't really get a chance to revisit that so much. Um, and then now she's kind of back at that place revisiting it a little bit. So, uh, and you're learning more about the families and kind of the parts that the Lazari play in their, you know, in their in their worlds and... Um, and kind of the the things that are driving the family members, the Carlisle family members. So I think it's good. It's I think they have enough to sustain it for a while. I feel like that is just seems so because when you have like titles like Lazarus or mm-hmm. Velvet or you know even like Spawn, Savage Dragon, things like that. Uh, but then you look at Walking Dead. I feel like Walking Dead is like a series that. Some of them see have like just a finite amount of story, I think. Mm-hmm. But then you think like Walking Dead. I guess the hook of that is that you're trying to see what a society's like after a zombie apocalypse has happened upon a world. Right. So the fact the longer it gets is just like it's just like wow. This is, is you keep going and going. You're just seeing what life is like. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's a premise that like the longer it goes, you're like okay, that's fine. But then I wonder like stories like Lazarus. You're like, eh, do I want it to go 150 issues like Walking Dead? Yeah, I I don't know. I'm not sure where they take it because it's it is it's it's our reality, but it's altered because it's it's our world but in the future and so they've created a reality that now whereas like um the you know i don't know it's like the walking dead it's either like well they find a cure or they all die you know or they like kill all the walkers in the past there's only like a finite amount of answers i feel like with that um with the walking dead so i i get i feel like you're kind of at a certain point, it's like, wow, well, like how, yeah, how long are they going to stretch it out, and like, what are the choices they're going to make? This one, there isn't really an end date. Like, all the countries are warring, all the families are warring with each other, but that's kind of all you know. You know, it's not like, well, if they haven't already set up, like, if this thing happens, the world explodes. Like, that's not really built in. It feels like you're just reading a, um, kind of a diary of war and family. So, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because I feel like with Walking Dead, unless, I mean, the only way it could end is either they all get turned into zombies or they kill everything. But I feel like it's been established in the universe. (laughs) 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 That, like, everybody, everybody there is pretty much, they're all 
the, the potential to be zombified is within them. So they are the Walking Dead too. Yeah, exactly. Says, oh, so I mean, unless he's gonna all of a sudden do like a quick shift and say like, now we're just gonna focus on the science of these zombies and mm-hmm. see if we can cure it, then I feel like he's nowhere near close to having some kind of resolution to the story. Unless right. he just wants to be like, and they all got eaten ever after. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, look at that. That was a hot little, uh, little quick little installment there. Some hot comic talk for you. Hot comic talk. Uh, it was. And now, guys, next time, what will we be discussing, Frank? <laughs> We're going to be sa- discussing uh, the first story arc of Sandman by Neil Gaiman. That's right. Yes. And this is something that, uh, uh, very quickly before we uh, sign off here, I had this discussion uh, with Trevor when we first came in, which was very helpful. But I was a little bit confused because I was like, all right, we'll be, yeah, the very first story arc of Sandman, uh, which is called Master of Dreams, right, on Comixology because I got these digitally. Uh it said that volume one was issues one through eight, or one through one through eight was, I believe, volume one. But if you look at the covers, uh, it looks like issue nine, it, it also is called Master of Dreams. Mm. And whereas issue, t- but, but it's included in volume two, which is all Sandman the Doll's House. Mm-hmm. So I was a little confused. I bought up to nine, but I read up to eight. Gotcha. Because I was like, I think this is like a. W- I didn't know, kind of what had happened there because the cover, and the title makes it seems like make it seems like it makes it seem. Pardon me. <laughs> words like it should be a part of, Master of Dreams, but Trevor did some research and it is in fact part of a doll's house. Mm-hmm. But might have been some tricky one-off issue that they weren't exactly sure where to put it. So for anybody that wants to, it's now mad at us because we they prepared and read Sandman and then we didn't talk about it, or that wants to read it now, we are reading issues one through eight, and that's what we'll be discussing. Trevor's always an invaluable asset to this show. Mm -hmm. Cannot stand it for him. Yes. So always thank you, Trevor, for engineering with style. Yeah. And with and knowledge. Yes. So yes, so uh, in the meantime, folks, that's going to do it for the end of this episode of The Novice and Frank. But if you want to continue the conversation with this on the social media avenues, Amanda, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me at Barnes Writes on Twitter or uh, Comic Book Musings. We do Instagram at Comic Book Novice or Twitter at Comic Book Novice. Where can they find you, Frank? Uh, well, first, before I say that, I will say that Instagram is one of the hottest in town. <laughs> Man, you know, everybody's subscribing to that thing. You know, I know I, I want to say that I got in at the ground floor on that. So uh, I've been an uh, early, early proponent of that comic book novice Instagram. <laughs> early. Got in early, got in often. So Thanks a can. lot, Frank. <laughs> it should be noticed that even though that account is used primarily for promoting this podcast, which I host with Frank, Frank just started following me a week ago. <laughs> so... He's the worst. Where can they find you, Frank? I, uh, if you want to tell me how, how terrible I am, which I fully expect that you should, <laughs> uh, you can do that for me over on Twitter at Happy Go Jackie. Uh, my Instagram is also Happy Go Jackie. You know, that's, that's right. You know, for that for that fun stuff. And so, you can also check Frank out pretty regularly doing an afterbuzz, uh, several afterbuzz shows. If anybody's interested in that, he never plugs it, but uh, but he's a wonderful host. Check oh, it out. Well, I'm you know not not really. I'm a terrible host. No, you're a terrible friend, but a great host. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks always to the Nerdist School Podcast booth for letting us be in here. Thank you, as always, to Trevor, Mm -hmm. too, for engineering with a style, wit, and knowledge. (laughs) The second of these new things, style, wit, and knowledge. Yeah, put it on your business card, Trevor. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Will do. 
And uh, we'll be back next week where we promise we will actually talk about Sandman's issue one through eight. That's right. Now we're available on iTunes as well. So if you're listening to this on Podbean and you want to subscribe through iTunes, that's great. Please promote. We love you. Let's uh, do our closing song. I'm trying to fly, but it's hard to jump into the sky. And I'm thinking the rhymes, but I want to say Franco, why, oh, why? I'm flapping my arms like they were wings. And doing this podcast makes me want to sing, so I'll sing. Sing. And Frank. Novice and Frank present a comic book podcast. Thank you. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. Oh, we just keep getting worse. That's yeah. or better. Or better. better. I feel like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hot hot song. <laughs>